You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. Tonight, I want to endeavor to finish up the sayings of Jesus in John chapter 3. I feel that I would be pleasing to God if I could preach through verses 14 through 22 tonight, discuss that the best that I know how by the Spirit of God. The first thing that I want us to remember is that all the evidence is that Jesus Christ could have brought all Jerusalem, all Palestine, all the people that lived in the Promised Land down to his feet. He could have had, he could have, I, I could not imagine anyone not uh, being willing to follow Jesus Christ if he'd wanted them to. He had everything it takes to be a big crowd gatherer if that's all it had been to him. And of course, if he'd have been a natural man, he couldn't have performed some of the things that he did. Uh, but even if he, uh, a man uh, that has some kind of a little extra about him, is he generally uses that to get people to follow him. You need to really get that into your mind. Jesus could have brought all Palestine down to his feet. But as he went along, he ended up with 11 men. Now, that wasn't because he couldn't have had more. It was because that he told them the truth all along. And the further he went, the more truth he revealed. And the more piercing it became. It removed all the folly away from life. It removed uh, all the natural thinking. It, uh, they soon found out that, well, he's probably going to stop feeding us. He's probably stopping the miracle. So we uh, just can't follow him any longer. So the day we live in, we believe that if Jesus is here, he'd have everybody traipsing around after him. The scriptures do not bear that out. The only people that would be following Jesus Christ in this day, would, if he is here, would be born-again people that stayed around him to gain some information that led them to believe that this is our Messiah. He's really going to die for our sins, and we want to be around him and praise his holy name. I don't know of anything in all the world that will bring uh, more uh, rebellion, more hard things said about you, and a greater misunderstanding in what I preached to you about this morning. People hate you for that. They'll hate you for it. Uh, if you really want to separate the men from the, uh, from the boys and the women from the girls, you just go around advocating what I preached to you this morning. People hate that. Most born again, no, no, no one that's not born again will have that. And most of the people that are born again will not have that. But I feel like this is a, a little later on, we, it gets further along here, and Jesus is going to develop his thinking further, 
The great multitude has been following him. He's going to say, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And the Bible is going to bring out the fact that they turned and walked with him no more. And then the spokesman for 11 peoples, uh, Jesus turned to them and uh, the ones that have been following along uh, down to 11 people now. And uh, uh, he, he said, well, are you going to go with them? Are you going to leave too? Now, the reason that, that there's not more born-again people that will even uh, listen at you a uh, second time what I preached on this morning is simply because that they're unwilling to make a search of the Scripture to see whether those things be so or not. And all the churches in the New Testament, it just, it just said about one of them that they went home and searched the Scriptures whether those things be so or not. If you want to preach it, Jesus jumped out of a sycamore tree and broke his left finger on his right hand. You're not generally called into question. So that's the way it is, and we all know that. So what I'm going to, what I'm going to preach to you tonight is unaccepted by all people that are not born again, and 99% of those that are born again will reject what I'm going to preach to you tonight. Uh, I, I, there's some other things that we needed to, to, to discuss just a little bit. The King James Version is not inspired. If you can see that, you could have a lot better understanding of the Bible. The, the, the Bible of men that was uh, inspired to write under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God wrote in the Greek language. Well, now, when men translated that from the Greek language into the English, was not inspired. They're not inspired men. The King James Version is not an inspired volume, but it is taken from that which was inspired. We don't even have the original on record, but we have some real old manuscripts that safe and sound. We do not have to be afraid. But this, but this, but the, but the versions as we read was translated with a free will aspect. That's why it's so hard to understand. It sounds like here in John 3.16 that God Almighty or Jesus Christ loved everybody. And if you'll just believe him, he'll save you. That's what that sounds like, that meant. It's translated from the original with a free will slant that he's just trying to save everyone. And in some of these words that are Greek, there's two or three different meanings, and of course, if you believe that God loved everybody, you would use the one that suited you best, wouldn't you? Listen to all the trouble that we have. But I'm going to preach to you that John 3.16 tonight did not say that God loved everybody and would save everybody if everybody would believe, and because that everybody is not believing, God is quite dissatisfied. I don't believe that. But, but people hate that, and they will not love you, and it's, uh, it's one of the most uh, rebelled against teachings in all the earth. And uh, the ones that believe it gets a sh sometimes appears that we get ashamed to say anything about it. So the, the, the thinking is taken over in the land that, well, it don't make much difference where you belong. We're all working for the same place. I, I deny that statement, that the family of God don't work for eternal life. The family of God does not work for the things that gets them into heaven. The family of God works because he that worked in us gives us a life whereby that we can work. 
And if God never did do that, no one could ever do a thing in the world to please Him. That's the truth in my, in my belief. But that's hated. You'd be called upon from every corner to debate that. Uh, now, that's really what it's all about. So when I hear a person say that it don't make much difference with all working for the same place, I know that there's a person that really believes that his salvation depends upon his vote. That is, God voted and the devil voted. Now, sinner, you have a deciding vote. Which way, which side of the ballot are you going to get on? Well, it's not that way in my belief. So, but it's a hard matter. You have to study and you have to, uh, you know, God, I don't know, I don't, there's some things that I cannot understand myself. I don't understand myself really how that I, only by the mercies and grace of God, that I now believe like I believe. Because by my, by my nature, by my own nature, the one that I was born with, I feel like that God ought to get down on my level and do things ever like I, like I want Him to do and have a plan of salvation that everybody can respond to and, and, uh, and just get it down on where human beings can think like God thinks. But I read in the Bible one of my pet scriptures that God said that my, as the heavens are higher than the earth, are my ways your ways and my thoughts your thoughts, saith the Lord. And now then I... That's in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And then in, uh, and, and Paul, uh, in Romans 11, he talks about that the wisdom of God is unfathomable. It cannot be, a, you cannot know the depth of it. Is, uh, how, un, how unsearchable are his riches and his ways past finding out. That's the way that Paul states this. So, any time that you've got a plan of salvation that everybody can understand the first time you teach it, you must have the wrong one. Uh, but, but the reason that everyone rebels against about a plan where that God's thinking is not like our thinking is because they think that God is unjust. That kind of a person don't think that God hates anything. Uh, but God does hate an awful lot of things, and the wrath of heaven comes down upon them. And the only reason that anyone is going to be delivered from the wrath to come is because God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, come and died for those that he loved, that the objects of his love might have that salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. A salvation that God planned before the world was. And he planned every bit of it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing in what the man could do, because he's dead in trespasses and in sin. He's in a life that he cannot share with God. Let me ask you, did you share your sinful thoughts with anyone this week that you had? Well, of course you didn't. Yeah, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they couldn't even share their thoughts with God anymore. To you men, if you lusted after a woman, did you share that sinful thought with anyone? You can't share sin. That's why that we can't go to God. Sin has separated us. We can't be afraid of God. Adam and Eve run off out in the woods and hid themselves. But up to that time, they had been meeting with God around that tree where that they eat, eat to refresh themselves, to keep on living. There they commune with God, talk with Him in all confidence. That was the height of their day. To meet there as God would come in that, in that garden uh, and walking through there, it, it wasn't on feet, but it traveling, they heard His voice and He would be coming to them and there He would talk to them. But actually, they sinned. That's what death is. 
Death is being separated from God. No fellowship. Well, you ain't ashamed to tell him what you thought. You ain't ashamed to tell your neighbor what you thought. No one on earth can share sin. So that's why that God in grace, that's why it's called mercy, God in mercy sent Jesus Christ to die for the objects of his love. And that's also why, uh, beloved, that everyone is not working for the same place. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, worked that you and I might live. But after that, God works in us through a new life, both to will and to do, makes us a good tree, then we're called upon to produce God's uh, good fruit. Not to get to be God's child, but because God in mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit has made us that. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's not, it's not, unto, it's not unto good works that we might be created like Jesus. It's not that way. Now, the things that I'm talking about to you tonight, when you found, if you, if you got together a bunch of, of, of supposedly believers, and you tried to get that over them, they'd smirk in your face. They'd say, that's splitting hairs. That's old-timey. And I, 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 God just be unjust to have it like that. But God is not unjust. And I'll tell you, the only hope that I have of living in heaven with anyone that I've had a close relationship in this life if my little grandson come up and sit down by me tonight about a five or ten seconds. The only hope that I have is sitting down in heaven with that little boy is not what me and him's going to do, but what Jesus Christ the Lord has done for us. And I thank him so much for it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's righteousness. And then that song goes ahead to say that Everything else is like sinking sand. Then that's why the Bible tells me that even our works is as filthy rags before God. That don't mean that God does not ask us to work for Him. That does not mean that I cannot do something pleasing to God. But it means if Jesus had not done something for me, there's no way on earth for me to please God. Now then... As Moses, this is in verse 14 of our study, and I hope to get through verse 21. I hold this dear to my heart. That's why I'm a primitive Baptist. And I thank God so much for leading me to this place. And I thank God so much for letting me understand what I try to talk about, about salvation. Salvation by grace. That means, in, in my terminology... Salvation with good works excluded from it 100%. That the good works comes in after that God saves us. That's what that means to me. So here Jesus is telling Nicodemus that Nicodemus, God must do something for you. He must not only forgive you of your sins, He must just clean you up. He must get all of that. He, he must make you white before Him. He must wash your sins away. That's what calling being born again is. Born from above. Never to be unborn. Never to lose what this life gives me. Now, I may lose some blessings through disobeying God as His child, but I can never lose this life. I didn't gain it. God give it to me. That's my inheritance. I give unto them eternal life. 
So this is what we're trying to talk about tonight. So I'm not going to tell you now that God loves everybody and He's doing all He can to save them. But they're bigger than God. And so they won't let God and God's in heaven tonight crying over the situation. I don't get that out of these verses. Well, now we're going to start and try not to rehash any more that we've said. It said, uh, as Moses... As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's talking about, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus is telling Nicodemus about his death. I must be lifted up. I will be the true object of faith. Faith anywhere else will be vain and void. And then that life through the Spirit is going to take what Jesus Christ done and apply it to your life. Where you can feel that cleansing. Where you can feel that you have the right to have the name of Jesus upon your lips. To go to Him in prayer. Talk to Him. Belong to the church. Be baptized. Work. Work. But first of all, we are His workmanship. That's what Brother Wallace believed. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life, born again, born again. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's three things I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk to you about the nature of God's love. Uh, that's what I want to talk to you first about that. And then I want to talk to you about the evidence of God's love or the results of the manifestation of God's love. And then I want to talk to you about the objects of God's love. This and more is in this verse here. And let's remember now, in St. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, the, the subject is never changed. The subject matter is that God is telling Nicodemus that you've got to have a life from heaven to even see, perceive, understand the kingdom of God. You've got to be, you've got to have your sins washed away, and in verse 5, to, 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 to uh, enter into it, uh, into its work and feel a part of it, really to be a part of it. Then he goes ahead to try to develop that. And then down here where we're at tonight, the subject matter has not changed. The first thing we want to talk about in John 3.16 is the nature of God's love. God so loved. Now, the magnitude of God's love is in that verse, of course. How much God loved, the greatness of His love, the immensity of His love is in that verse, of course. But I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's the, the leading thought in it. And when you go and study, you get you a, a, a Greek lexicon, they call it, that's a book. Uh, you get in, and it, it has a Greek word in there, and then, it out, out of the side of that, for the English uh, don't know Greek, it'll tell you what uh, uh, that Greek word means in English. And sometimes it has more than one, uh, uh, one meaning. So, when you go and study and look at what that word so, God so, and that's, that, I believe that's the way that, that, uh, that God inspired men to say it, God so loved. Well, well what does that word, what did... What did those Greeks have in mind uh, when they used that word, so? 
What did those men who was inspired to write have in mind when they used that word? So I want to talk about that first. This word soul means thus. Thus or in that way. What he's saying here, that, that God loved thus or in a particular way, is what the, the thought is being conveyed here tonight. Or in this, or in this uh, saying here, God so loved the nature of God's love. The way that God loved. God so loved in this way is the thought that, that I believe this writer is conveying. God loved in this way. God in this way, in this particular way, loved the world. God in this particular way loved the world. You know, all through the Bible it's always talking about the followers of Christ as a unique people, a special people. They're the elect of God. They're designated as believers. They're designated as a disciple. They're designated as the peculiar people of God. That's, that's the way it's always. And through the Bible, when we can see it as it is, he's saying that God, in a particular way, loved them. Now, brother, you need to come to me tonight and tell me that I don't love my children in a particular way different than I do yours. You need to expect me to believe that tonight. Because I do. I love my children in a particular way. You need to tell me you don't either because Brother Wallace wouldn't believe it. If you don't love your children in a particular way, different from anyone else's children on this earth, there's something wrong with you. <clears throat> Aunt Ira don't ever come to see my grandson when she's feeling bad. But Aunt Ira goes to Tupelo to see her granddaughter even when she's feeling bad because she loves her in a peculiar way. Particular way. That's mine. God has a people that belongs to Him. It says, and even in the Old Testament, we've all the time hearing this, about if, if you know somebody will pray, but listen how that starts off. Here's how it goes. God says this, For if my people... For if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's a special group. So God, in this particular way, loved the world. In other words, it's saying here that God had a special respect for someone. Anyone that any, if you love someone special, you have a respect for them. God had a respect for his people. Uh, not only that, in this verse, joy, love, uh, real love uh, has a joy towards its object. God has a joy in this particular love that he has for the object of his love. God has a, had a sacrifice provided for the object of his love. God so loved that he gave, said in this special way, God provided a sacrifice for this group of people. My people, my people that I chose before the world was, my people that I chose in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ before the world was, these special people that I chose in the work of Christ in heaven before I made the universe, I love them in this Special, peculiar way is what God so loved means. 
It don't mean that God so loved everybody and doing the best he can thereafter. That's not what that's saying. Now then, if you got in a Greek lexicon and studied that, you'd find out the word soul, its first meaning was exactly what I've said. In that way. That's what, it, as far as I'm concerned, that's what the inspired writers meant when they said, God so loved. They meant that God so loved in a particular, special, in this way, the world. All right? Then we'll talk about the world here for a little bit as we pass along and, uh, and see what we can make out of that. God so loved the world. Here in this, wor- in this verse here, the word world designates the object of God's love, a certain people chosen by God for salvation. That's what that word world means there. I want to look at that now, uh, four other places besides the ones that we've used here, uh, and, and, and then you just have to accept that or reject it. Uh, I may turn to some of them, and I may not. The next place, that, let's remember that one now, that God so loved the world. The world there designates the objects of God's love. My people, my elect, believers, saints of God. John 3.16. Then in John uh, 3.17, it says here that God sent his Son to save his chosen people. But it used the word world. We'll just read that. In John 3.17, we write there, here's what it said. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, the way that, 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 now the way that that's interpreted generally is that God sent his Son in among mankind to die for them, and that all out of that can be saved that will accept him. But here's what that's saying, that God, for God sent not his Son into the world, or, 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 or come, or sent him to, to the chosen people to condemn his chosen people. He didn't send him for that. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn God's chosen people. Well, why didn't he? Friends, they condemned before he ever left heaven. The world ain't getting condemned. And the only person that will never be condemned is of those that sent Christ. If you don't believe that, you read Romans 8, 8, 1. Let's just turn and read that right now uh, uh, to, to see what that says. Romans, Romans 8, 1. You, you, you're already condemned. So he didn't, send, he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world he, or, 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 or to condemn the objects of his love. He sent Jesus into the world to get them out from under that condemnation. And when Jesus died for them, the elect of God is no longer under that condemnation of sin. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. See, we just got to learn. We won't. We will know whether we believe the truth or not to a large degree, I, I believe. So no, Jesus, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it. Is condemned already and would have ever stayed that way 
separate and apart from the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the ones that God chose in Christ before the world was, He died for, and there is there now no longer any condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But what does that mean in Christ Jesus? That simply means that God, just like Ephesians said, according as He has chosen us in Him before the world began. Now that just simply means that God, God had a plan. He had a plan to save His people in the midst of their downfall. When He would bring through sin that every human being would be condemned. So God, Jesus, don't come for that. It's already that. Jesus comes to get someone out from under it. Now the thing that sends anyone to torment is condemnation. You can't get yourself out from under it. There's just one thing that can relieve you of this condemnation, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God didn't send Jesus to the object of His love to condemn the object of His love, but that through what Jesus done, the object of His love might be saved. But He calls it a world. Just means every kind of people. They some black, they some red, they some brown, they some white. God's got a people in every nation, kindred people and tongue, and they're not under the condemnation that sends people to hell because God sent Jesus to get them out from under it. And God loved them in this way. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also.